0: Blob Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you're at in the world, is there going to be any one of the number of countries that did visited us? I mean, it's a long-term statement that we've made it from Peggy tonight, and we continue to work on that. It's actually one of the things I want to talk about tonight, because tonight we're going to talk about at elder talk, and... Uh, the Karelian tradition in and of itself. Now, I'm going to let Lord Don talk more about the history, and Lady Stephanie's got a lot to probably say, and our, our first elder, uh, Alyssa, as it's, as it's formed inside her life. But tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about it from my point of view, and that's a perspective that very interesting because people keep asking me and telling me it's so i don't know that it's interesting but they tell me that it is so my story really begins for the Corellian tradition is let me go ahead and explain it. it's karelian wicked tradition and it's um probably a modern form of Wicca that basically has a lot to do with spiritualism you know we we ground ourselves in our history from 1879 is where we saw our history begin and while people argue and, and try to make labels and everything else, we just continue to live a good life based on some of the principles, including you know the Corellian virtues and the five mystic secrets. And there is you know so many people who came before us, our ancestors. And then in 1979, things changed to allow a more public aspect of it. And then by 90, I met Lord Don Lewis, or at that time Don Lewis, psychic. And that's where my story of the Corellian tradition comes in. So basically, I was you know, lived my life. I had a lot of magical experiences. We won't go into all of them. But I came to a point where I didn't. I decided we could not afford child, the problem of the uh, Generation X. They couldn't afford child care and work at the same time, yes. yeah, you know, the squeeze on it. So eventually, I would leave my job. And um, in this case, uh, the wife made more money, and so she wanted to, you know, so, so we decided that she was going to keep her job, and I was going to raise the kids, and I was going to get an evening job. And one of the things I was able to do is that I was able to do a coffee shop, and I started working as a psychic reader. I uh, thought so it was kind of cool. I decided to develop um, my psychic readings. I hadn't done it for a number of years, and then I got invited to a psychic fair. Um, by Eleanor. I don't think I ever met, or if I had met, I had not remembered her. But she sent me an invite to try out for a psychic fair, Uh, Reverend Jim's um, J&M Psychic Fair with Reverend Jim and Marlena. And uh, they gave me the job. And I told them I did drive, so I could only do a few, you know, a few of them when they were close enough for me to get there. And they said, well, there's a gentleman who lives by you, who's one of our psychics, and his name is Don, and he could probably use the money to share in gas. And finds out, yeah, of course, he was a you know, hard-working, struggling young psychic um, working out in the world and trying to make uh, his proceeds into the world. And uh, at the same time, he was something that most people didn't know. He was a high priest uh, of the Corellian tradition, uh, a familial tradition, and he um, had passed into this series of the world. He had come to the big city, he had come into a different place uh to live to try out himself against the world. And in the against that world it was one of the people he met and was me, uh, Ed Hubbard. And uh we would go to a number of psychic fairs and we would have um arguments. Oh, bitter arguments of it. And uh so, you know, I, I was looking for something in my life and in a lot of ways, so was, so was he, and, and, and I would meet Crystal, and he eventually said, you know, come join us. You know, we, we could, I could really use your help. And at this time, I ran my own vaginal group. Um, the Mirror Society is also known. Um, and the Universal Temple of Gaia became our, our first process, which we began to create a core uh relationship in Chicago. Now, one of the things people don't know is he hindered his back. And it was injured his back in a big way. And it took him more than two years to get back and he was to being able to walk. And a lot of people didn't think he was ever going to be able to walk. So it was really a lot of hard, hardship. And, 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 you know, we did, we did a lot of psychic work. One of the things that uh, people don't know about us, that, that me and Don's early relationship, uh, had us doing a lot of tarot readings. We did a massive number of tarot readings, and we got really deep into uh, uh, prophetic space. And one of the things we did is we just asked a lot, question after question after question, and we found a pattern that formed, and we have lived in that pattern, oh, for decades now. And it was in how the Karelian tradition, how his family faith, how he was going to move it from being just a familial religion, along with Lady Crystal. Um, his mom had just passed away. And so how he was going to pass on his this work, this uh, ancestral work. And, uh, and we were beginning to talk about some of that, but he injured himself in, in, in a big way. Uh, and he was down, laying flat on his back for over a year, and it took him about two years to ever really get back on his feet. And that transformed him into uh, the situation that he was. Um, it took him from being an up-and-rising psychic who was, you know, kicking butt and was going to join that really hot scene of the time. Oh, the psychic scene of the '90s was amazing. And instead, he he changed and he became much more focused on his spiritual work. Uh, he still did the psychic readings and all of that. And then, slowly but surely, over the years, we began beginning building study groups. Uh, we had our agent with us, you know, our sister who who worked with us for so long, um, and she did really amazing work with us. And the three of us. I just started to do study groups and temples uh, throughout the '90s. We did pagan at you know, Roundtable Magazine, Second Chicago Magazine, Second Chicago Radio, and we would end the cent- end that century with a uh, Pagan Expo. And Pagan Expos were really kind of a predecessor uh, idea it came out of some area. There was some, some contact, but we um, was a model of basically. Of, you know, merchants, a stage, uh, like a piece of music fest that had been and a stage, giving away classes, and it was free to the public. You know, the expos, these ideas have been around by other groups. We had begun practicing them, and they were very much open to the public, open up to the press. So that was a, really a lot of fun. Um, but we began the sort of process of it. And, you know, the books, you know, we started writing the lessons, you know, a lot of people got behind on and, and and us. And then we started the, the project called Witch School. And Witch School would be the transformative thing, actually the Daily Spell before it. We'd already been getting into newsletters. We had gotten on to the letters. We'd already gone to the Parliament of World Religions of 1999. I did and broadcast the Daily Spell from there. It was the first of us doing these newsletters, and we did them for years. And we'd be talking about the pagan community, and in that we would have uh, on a weekly basis or something like that. We'd put the lessons in. So we had the first-degree lesson, and we had a lot of people signing up and taking lessons and taking energy. We had a total of 2,600 tests at one time. Uh, Don brought in the first mentors. They were trying to solve the problem. And then we built Witch School to automate some of the processes. You know, some people say, "Oh, that was a terrible thing to do," but we were dealing with so many people who wanted to be, and we've never seen it slow down since. Wanted to be a part of the witchcraft world, the Wicca world, and we offered them a simple way into the Crowley tradition. Um, and we were like a lot, like a lot of groups, we were we were focused on you know being helpful. Now you gotta understand one thing about this. Let me go ahead and back it up a little bit. <coughs> To clear my throat, um, is that I came out of a very dominionist, right-wing coup that we are under suffering under right now. I grew up in that world, uh, very racist, very classist. Even though I was, a, I was a very raised as a very low-end middle-class person, I was felt like you know I was a good Christian and I was a good warrior and I had a good life ahead of me. It wouldn't last. There would be a lot of things that would transform me. But one of the things that would transform is that I no longer accepted the fact of the apocalypse. I didn't see that as good. I started to really go against what I felt were a lot of the um, elements within the toxic elements within Christianity. The number one toxicity is to believe that the world's going to be blown to bits in a uh, toxic conflict. I was raised to actually believe, since from 1963, that year 2000 was going to be the end of the world. Now, by the time I got to 2000, um, that would change in my attitude. I would give up the apocalypse, and I believed in, you know, I, magic and all of the other things were, were important. But no, no, I did not want to see this apocalypse, and I still don't want to see the apocalypse, so that transformed me into looking at magic and to moving away from this toxic Christianity. Um, incidents in the military where I would um deal with a racial incident of my own creation and I would get to know uh I do remember his name to this day, Fireman Grissom. Um, I haven't haven't seen him since we left the military, but he he made a difference in how I saw the world. And so I would have to fight through belief of Armageddon, this belief of privilege, this belief of war, this belief of conflict, this belief that we're going to have to fight Russia, this belief that this world was contaminated and evil. Now, simultaneously, as I growing up, I had a huge love of science. If my family were not my, my mother and my father... Uh, were not so anti-science, anti, you know, being smarter than people. And that was my problem. They didn't, you know, my dad really uh, had difficulty. My mom and dad had difficulty because the time I hit sixth grade, they could no longer help me with my homework. Um, I could out-read, and I outperformed them both mathemat- mathematically and ability to read. By the time I was 13, you know, you know, the real problems would begin with my life a little bit, because by the time I was 12 and 13, I there was no question that I knew more facts than my father did, as my father would point out. Not life, not experience. My dad had this wonderful set of philosophies that I really absorbed in my life. Um, he really was a genius, but he, he was not capable of expressing that. He was not able to get out of his own way, so he... he he did not survive. The world did not allow him to survive. He was dead at um, 35 years old. A few months past his 35th, he right before New Year's Eve. Died in a car accident. Drunk driving. Both drivers drunk. Ice, snow. He, he, he got pinched over by his thing. He lasted eight hours before he died. There you go. And so there I was. 18 years old without, you know, my father was dead from drinking and driving and I couldn't been, you know, and it was just a very big moment for me. And people think that, oh, no, you were so upset about it. No, I wasn't. That was the problem. I really wasn't. Um, I was the opposite. I was jo- overjoyed. Um, Because now he couldn't touch me anymore. And I went into the military. So all these things kind of mix up into my topic field of Christianity. So the Corellian tradition did one thing for me above all else. It gave me a refocus. So let me go ahead and tell you what it did do. So in my conversation with that, I I didn't believe the world had much purpose. And then he showed me that, no, there's a continuous pattern to, the, to that. And I knew evolution. I believed in it. But I never saw it from a spiritual aspect. I never saw that what we carry with us forward in our life is what our ancestors give us, what, are, what we desire, what we have put forward that, in fact, I can explain to you the DNA. My DNA comes from lots of people, and I'm the latest version of them, distilled. And I'm very fortunate. I have grandchildren because I have wonderful children. I have some truly wonderful children. Um, and every have your parents, say that right? And, and I have grandchildren. Um, I'm hoping to get to know as they grow up. They're very young right now. Uh, the oldest is five, just turned five. So, and I have come to love and believe that there's a future. But when I'm when I was meeting with Lord Don and Lady Crystal for the first time, and and they would not be Lord and Lady at the time, they technically were, but it's not how they referred to themselves. Um, is that they would explain to me that they're you know just. How to live in the future, not in the future of the now. I've always lived in the future. Every known chrono magic, and it made sense of my magic that it was. Remember, I had already gotten uh, a first degree Gardnerian degree from uh Cole from the Temple of Sacred Stones. Uh, my Gardnerian training would come from there, and so I was really grounded. By the time I got into the Corellians, people don't realize I was already grounded into the uh, Gardnerian tradition of Chicago. <clears throat> Quite a few of them, and then I became a Corellian. A lot of them got upset when I became Corellian. Uh, Stan Modric was particularly upset. Others I won't name. Um, uh, won't name on it. You know, there was a lot of energy because Don came from downstate to do a psychic fair, and then he became the living here. And now, you know, we now he and I became it. An, I and I would eventually take my first degree with him in uh, 91. Uh, he would teach me, teach me. Not through books, no. We we did oral and we did through with Crystal and all that. Um, so it became this sort of learning experience. And they, they were kind of upset, but we came to Chicago and we started to see it. But since they were able to quench my fear of the Armageddon, they were able to take from me the sense that that was the only really solution. And in fact, what he did show me is the Karelian tradition was striving to survive. That's right. It was striving to survive. Not that it was, it was striving to be relevant, to be useful into people's lives, to, to, to take away some of this pain that people like myself were suffering. I mean, I really suffered. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to bring children into a dead world. I wanted this thing. And I remember, the world has been dying since, we, since I was born, way before I was born, and that the speed in which death has occurred on my lifetime has been at a rapid rate. So I live in a day of an age of death, extinction. And that everything around us is this sort of manifestation of extinction. And that we have a faith out there that reveled in it. I think there's extinction. To vigilate, and there is this other aspect of a religion that had Gaia at the center, nature at the center. Um, now, I've had my encounters, we'll talk about another time, with Oberon Zell, you know, when I was 10 years old, and my scientific side. Um, and my scientific-spiritual side really developed really well. Um, and so the Corellian tradition at 28 years old kind of brought it all together for me. Uh, my gardener and witchcraft, my huge amount of science, uh, my transcendental thought, uh the mirror society, me, uh, some of the things that have happened to kind of bend my rise, my, my involvement in governmental experiments, at Ridgeway Hospital, well, that's another story, and all of these things suddenly came into click into place, and I was able to understand, ultimately, that I'm a spiritual person, a spiritual being, and that, and that in that process, I became part of the Karelian tradition, and this would also fit in my obsession of the Dalai Lama. So, in a lot ways, I came into the tradition. And I, it, it really gave me a lot of confirmation that we didn't have to have this sort of end-of-the-world Armageddon. And I would go to be like any good fanatic, any good convert. Um, I would help create systems that would help to spread it out. And there were some predictions early on. Uh, again, remember, I talked about the tarot readings and the psychic shares. There's a lot of protect people, you know, um, made a lot of predictions about about the Kareli tradition. They still do. We're very prophetic. And that was always the thing that we did. We did tarot and everything else. So we're very prophetic traditions. We're actually filled with prophecy. Not in the sense of, and some people go, what do you mean by filled with prophecy? We're, uh, We're filled with vision and prophecy and sight of what may or may not actually happen. But we absolutely, as a whole tradition have got ways to see the future. Um, And we act on that future. We saw it from, if there's one defining thing, it's that 79, our founder caught a vision. And I still think it's a vision of the deep future that was incapable of being fully expressed at her time though she expressed it so beautifully and so elegantly that people began to to follow it. But if anything else, Corellians are receivers of a transmission from the past to the future. But we are also seeing that we are capable of getting transmissions of the future into our past. And you got to take it on faith because that's what it is. We don't have scientific proof. It doesn't come that way. <clears throat> but we have these shared experiences of the past and the future and even of the now. So inside the Quellant tradition, we allowed, we, we created space for, we, we attracted, we gave permission to. And we actually found kindred spirits, family, who wanted to grow with us. And so we started when we built Witch School. Witch School was a way to answer the modern call the modern need for people to learn, and still does. And so we're now this is our 20th anniversary of the Witch School, which was the daily, you know, the daily spell. So this constant aspect of transmission. And so we would begin transmitting not only the teachings of this family. We were also accepting and filling ourselves with the ideas of how do we help people. Tarot it's a big part of what our early ministries were um, because people could comprehend that as prophecy. We still love tarot. We're, we have a whole tarot deck and everything else, so we still have that ministry of the, the, the precognitive ministry. Um written the the book of the principle of prophetica. So which has been actually fascinating to see that uncover. That so we have this desire to teach people how to be more prophetic. And this brings me to a to what I think the Karelian tradition really offers the world. Um, I'm gonna take one more thread though before I begin. It read really before I talk it. Because I think it's gonna be an example. So I think that the Corellian tradition offers people the golden path. This is a concept out of the emperor of doom, god emperor of doom. And the II, after took on the, the impossible burden of being a highly prophetic entity that was no longer human, but was able to predict human actions so much that he could rule a vast interstellar empire. And his ability to make predictions, to know the world around them, have this prescience, which was so powerful, he ruled as a god. And the reason he did it is, is to, get, to fight against the end of the universe, Glesiac, as he was saw, saw in his own stories, And the golden path was all he had to know is humans continue to survive. Does the action take humans closer to survival or death? And nearly every prophet heads for death. It's a very powerful psychic and very powerful people kind of trend towards seeing the vision as it is. And more importantly, as it survives. So within our Karelian tradition, we have this belief that the future is going to be better. That there is an importance to continuous survival. In fact, we believe that we are. Let's take a deep breath, Some of us in within the Karelian tradition, and I can say pretty openly that the entire upper leadership is absolutely committed to this idea of reincarnation this idea of continuous reincarnation this idea of awareness of our reincarnated lives and we're working out really hard and this is probably what's going to make this generation of Corellians very different is that we're starting to establish through our vision through our capabilities a way to survive not just today but over the long term not through conquest not through hoarding, not through stealing from our members, not by asking, begging for thousands and thousands of dollars to put airplanes into the air. Uh, we're not asking for military, though we do have a military uh, aspect to ourselves. The pilots are doing a great job. Um, we have, you know, elements of of, of record-keeping. You know, we have elements of all the things that we want to and we're starting to consolidate into the idea of the golden path or the long-term survival of the Corellian tradition. Uh, Lady Stephanie has had visions of where she talked about. just where she has seen so far in the future that basically what she talks about that we have at least a dozen uh, lifetimes before we're fully established. And, it, and along that path, we, we got our process with uh, conditionings with the Parliament of World Religions. Uh, we've worked in that field. We've gotten groups all over the world. We're, we're we're gaining a global mission. And what is the global mission for me is a called Kirli Tradition. That there's wonder in the world. There's a reason to survive on Earth as long as you want, as long as you can, because it's so joyful and useful and happy. There's a right to have a children and have a future. And you have a right to think about the future and then do the best job you can, kind of set up this sort of idea of of being the best person you can, and then reincarnate into the next lifetime. And to be hopefully in a a community and a culture that is developing that will accept you as a reincarnate and allow you to, to learn these things faster. So, in fact, the family religion has always been focused on one thing. You have to have a family to have a family religion. You have to help people be family. And so, ultimately, the Karelian tradition believes that there is all different versions of family. But ultimately, the family can help you survive into the future. that you just don't stand there waiting for the future, that family and structures can help you build towards a future. And so after which school I served in, in sort of other duties, including the Parliament of the World Religions and an ambassador. Today now I have a lot of titles and the most, one I'm probably the most proud of is General, Paladin General. Um, because I keep working towards the long-term. This is a really long-term belief, the Groen tradition of controlling assets. The Paladins aren't there a security or protection or all of the more militant things you think about. They have two duties. They're there uh, the, that they come from ancient times. So one is to guard the treasures of our tradition. And that means assets, for us the internet and everything else. And that the second thing is, is that to help people take on and, and to make pilgrimages. That was the word for something, make it safe so that they could take pilgrimages. And uh, this last year, that really came into possession because we were able to utilize it for online or cyberspace or what we would call online vessels, or we were able to in space where we were able to lead people to their festivals, to have our festivals, including our illustration, and have our festivals, and to lead us in and back and out of that. <clears throat> and they were able to help people establish that. So we've begun that process from the 21st century of being able to help with people with online homage. And a uh, month from today, more or less, we're going to be preparing for the Corellian illustration online. First of all, we're going to do over our actual holiday period, which will be Beltane, which will be very fascinating. It will be very different because uh, we have not interfered or allowed our, our temples to kind of celebrate their Sabbaths together. And we tend to have our own versions of it. We've been online with it. So, you know, we've done since then. Magic TV came in just to preserve more information Uh, Peggy Tonight Radio, to more information, Corellian Education Ministries, broadcasting more information to get the message out. And the message is that you can live a happy life, that you don't have to accept the idea that the world is going to end, and, and actually look at what happens if the world continues. If you have a different relationship with time than you're aware of, that we help people, the Karelian traditions, really helping people understand time better. They're understanding their souls better. They're learning their magic better. They're learning their sciences better. And we're really preparing for a transition of society, of civilization. Um, we're preparing for not just the sixth extinction event, but after a period of time, we'll see the Earth and everything else recover. And if we have survived and if we've learned our lessons and if we've done things well, we'll, we'll thread this needle and that the Corellians will be there. And we've seen, and this is when we get back to the idea of being a prophetic tradition, we actually have seen ourselves and we, we're interacting with ourselves and our higher selves and our future selves um, in a way to do so. And we've even bent how souls interact with us we actually have pretty recent channeling and recent contact with the dead uh, of our own saints including saint wendy wendy is actually the most remarkable story in there i'm going to go another time of of really this acceptance of of a active spiritual world which we believe in 100%. That is really one of the drivers for us is that there's an active spiritual world that we're interacting against. So for me, the Corellian tradition was always a lifesaver. For me, the Corellian tradition always gave me a purpose. And for me, if it was good enough for me and if it saved my energy and if it saved my life, that was good enough for me to share with other people because maybe we'll do the same for them. And since then, my life has been filled with all amazing wonder. We've been filled with so many amazing stories. I've done so many things. I've traveled the world, and I'm going to do more of it. My magic isn't diminishing. My connection with the Corellians has not done so. And now that we have members all over the world and then we continue to deepen our relationship, not just communities here in America, our communities in Britain, Netherlands, South Africa, some of our oldest communities come out of South Africa, throughout South America, and welcome to Venezuela and Chile has been sending a lot of out of court. They've been working really hard. Um, the Philippines, where we have such a strong presence with Blusso and uh, Rolando, Um we have these amazing communities in various places that are just so family, so tight. And, and, and it, we'll visit them as occasionally as that. But we have this tradition, this space, this place, and we're building it ever expansively into the world. So the Kyrgyzian tradition, at the end of the day, is a living faith of practice, of practical understanding of how the spirit world works and that we are constantly working towards the evolution of the soul through our lives. And we're starting to see the manifestation of a long-term in society that will accept reincarnates at some future point, And that we will be able to preserve enough life and the right kinds of life that we can perpetuate a new culture in humanity. We're colonizing the future from the now with these ideas that have come from the past and from the way we think about them in the now and in the future. So what? Are, so what is the Wiccan tradition? a place for people who believe in wonder and awe, who want to manifest it in their lives like myself, and work on all sorts of different ideas, some based on science, some based on faith, some a combination of the two, but always in family and love. So consider it. Join us through The Outer Court. com is the main website. Corellian.com is your way to start entering the process. Or you can go to Witch School and sign up for classes. We actually have uh, first-degree lessons on how to be a witch. So the Corellian tradition is free of charge. We actually have two years of free education through the Living the Wiccan Life and the Corellian first-degree lessons. No no commitment, no, no whatsoever. We believe that our message is so important for you to learn. Why would we get in the way of it with something as simple as money? We want to put it in your hands, simple as we can, for you to make your own decision. Now, watch out for the uh, – so, you know, if you've listened to this one, please listen to the other elder thoughts on the Corellian tradition, and you'll get a much more full understanding. Today was really about what it meant to me as first elder of the Corellian uh, tradition – so this is Sir Edgar, also known as Ed the Pagan, wishing you a most blessed day, and hopefully a better one than it was yesterday, and make tomorrow hidden better again. Bless you.